Oh, hello, everybody. Go ahead and take a seat. Welcome. So glad to see you. For those of you that I'm able to see, uh, great, great to have you. And uh, what a blessing it is for me to be um, among you and with you, knowing that uh, we get to praise our Lord through worship. Thank our, our band always. And um, I, I don't know when there's another time, other than maybe like a baseball game, which most of us haven't gone to in a, in a while, where we actually sing together with other people. And, and then maybe on a birthday party for somebody, we sing a little bit there. But, you know, getting together as believers and just singing these songs that praise God and speak about his worthiness is, is an awesome thing. So hearing you guys sing uh, is, is a big blessing. We get to do that together. So thank you to our band. Let me share a couple of uh, announcements that I want to mention. First of all, uh, next week, uh, a week from today on Sunday, we want to have baptisms. Baptisms are very special. It's a public declaration of our faith and our commitment to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's been uh, at least one person that has ex expressed a desire to be baptized. So we're working on, we're, we get to work on how we're going to do that here. We have an outdoor option. We have our baptistry in the next building. So we're, we're coming up with the, the plan that will work out best. But whether it's here, outside, or indoors, next door, uh, the point is you are making that public declaration of your faith, and we're proud of you. I want to encourage you. I know there's some of you that kind of hold back and maybe haven't been baptized. Send me an email, would you? Send me a call. Let's talk. Let's get together. Um, I want you to know what baptism is about. We have a, a uh, baptism statement by our church, so we want to read that. Uh, so just keep that in mind and see me if, if that interests you. But we're really excited about that. The next thing that I want to talk to you about is growth groups. I'll try to make this quick, but we're off from our growth groups right now. We plan on picking up again in May. Some groups are, some groups are changing. Some groups are going from online only to in-person. So if there's a very strong desire of yours to, to switch the option that is available, see me. We're not going to have an open registration, so see me. Uh, most groups are going to stay the same. We have a book that we're going to be using as a guide, um, and it's called the, the Keys to Spiritual Growth. So one of the things that I hear from people is, you know what, I feel like I'm not growing. And, or maybe I'm not growing enough, or maybe I feel like I've been stuck for a while. This is it. This is your very good opportunity to plug in with the local church with a body of believers with a small group that's going to hold you accountable that's going to encourage you and help you and you're going to read a, a very good book by john MacArthur. but, but more than that not, it's not about the the book and it's not about uh, the author of the book but it's about us coming together with a commitment to growth to be more like christ because in ephesians 3 20 says that the church his main purpose is to glorify god through all the ages and we get to do that so if you want to learn how to do that through your life, join us. Join us. We have over 120 people that are already signed up for growth groups. Um, nobody's told me that they're leaving their group, that they're not going to continue. So I'm assuming everybody that is already signed up will continue. And for those of you who didn't sign up for whatever reason, you have an opportunity to sign up now. So see me as soon as possible so that we can um, get you the best place that will work you know, for you. All right? If you have any questions, please see me. But we're looking forward to that. I went ahead and ordered 150 English books and 20 Spanish books. Uh, 
Right now, we currently have about 120 total people joining groups. So, so I'm, I am planning on a, you know, increase of about 50 people. So if you haven't signed up, that's you. All right, we're going to have a book for you. Books are $13. That covers our cost. Uh, if you try to buy it on your own, you'll see that it's a lot more than that. We got a really good deal. Called up John MacArthur and said, hey, do you have any extra books? And his answering machine said, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. No, I'm kidding. He didn't answer or anything like that. But we did order 170 books. They should be here next Sunday. Uh, we'll have them out there in, in a booth or a table for you to pick up and be ready to go the next time. In addition to that, you should know that in, on Sunday mornings, what I'm going to do is I'm going to follow as closely as possible whatever we're reading that week, whatever we're addressing or touching on that week. So I'll be preaching from it. You guys will have a, a, a lesson from your growth group leaders, and then you would have read that chapter. So you're going to get like a triple whammy. If that doesn't work, we're going to try CPR on your spiritual life and see how that works, because I don't know what's going to happen after that. But I'm excited. I hope you're excited. This is a really good opportunity for all of us to come together committed to spiritual growth. So see me if you want to sign up. That's the only two announcements that I wanted to mention. So great to have you guys. I hope everybody picked up one of these on your way in. If you didn't, you want to raise your hand and we have some extras there. Uh, raise it really high so everybody can see who didn't pick one up. I'm kidding. No, not for that reason. Just pick up your hand so that uh, I know we have some in the back. We're passing them out now, so just go ahead and raise your hand. We'll get one for you. But on your way in, if you, if you look for a little container somewhere where you, where you kind of check in uh, in our walking booth, they usually have these in a couple of places. Just go ahead and pick one up on your way in, and you'll be ready to roll so we can take communion together. Very special thing when a body of believers, a group of believers like us get together, it's a special thing. It really is a special thing. I mean, you look around, and you have children of God all over the place. That's a really big deal. And so we get to celebrate why we are united in Christ. So I want to share a verse with you. Actually, a couple of verses. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, in preparation for us to take communion here together. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. And this small portion is actually going to touch on several things that we've been celebrating the last couple of weeks, that we'll be talking about this week, that we talked about last week. So if you pay attention, you're going to recognize uh, some very familiar themes here. But most importantly, it tells us why we're able to celebrate communion and uh, what it is that we remember. 2 Timothy 2, verses 8 to 10 reads, Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, for which I suffered trouble as an evildoer even to the point of chains. But the word of God is not chained. Therefore I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Ooh. I at least three sermons right there. But this is Paul, suffering persecution, in and out of imprisonment, and he says, but the gospel is not changing. That's what we're going to be talking about today, and actually that's what chapter, the first week in your growth group is going to be dealing with, so we're excited about that. We're getting you ready for that. He says, but the word of God is not chained. I love it. He said, I may be imprisoned, but the word of God is free and powerful, ready to roll. 
He's, and then he says, therefore I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So what I want to mention is when we take communion, and these elements, the bread and the juice, they represent the body and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it is through this which it symbolizes. And it, it, it talks about his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And so as we take the bread... And the symbol here is that it's unleavened bread because the Lord Jesus Christ was sinless. When he offered his life, it was without sin. He wasn't paying for any sin that he would have committed. And so we're grateful we take that together. It says that salvation is in Christ Jesus because the only way that a sinner like myself and a sinner like yourself can have anything to do with the perfect, holy, holy God is because we've been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb, our Lord Jesus Christ. So let's take that together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you so much for the sacrifice that you made on our behalf in giving your Son, our Lord Jesus, that he would be the ransom, the payment for our sin. We're grateful eternally. We get to give you thanks, Father, for all of eternity, for you are worthy. And Lord Jesus, what you've done for us is incomprehensible. As we sang, indescribable, that out of love you would give up your life for ours. And Holy Spirit, you enlighten us. You give us that understanding. And for that, we're eternally grateful as well. We pray that you will lead us and guide us this morning. I thank you for all my brothers and sisters who are here. For those who are watching online, who will be watching and a recording later on, I ask for your blessing and your protection, Father, that we will be a blessing to others. We pray this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. All right. For some reason, I looked down and I saw this bag. You're thinking, like, what is that? <laughs> My brother Tony's been asking me to announce this for the last two weeks. I keep forgetting. I mean, they kind of keep putting it closer to me. They were hoping I'd trip up on it, and like, no way I forget. But this is our, our gift bag to you. If you're here for the first time, uh, we want to show our gratitude and how happy we are that you're here. So go ahead and, and go by our, our welcome booth and pick up one of these. This is us saying welcome and thank you for joining us, okay? If you've been here before, we know who you are, so don't even try it. I see you. I see you. I saw you. You're thinking about that. Let's get started with this morning's message. I, I pray that, it, that it'll be a blessing to you. So what I've been doing these last couple of weeks, last week it was kind of a follow-up to the resurrection. We talked about how through the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, he is able to open our understanding. That it was through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that we're now able to comprehend the spiritual thing. So that's no longer us being dead in our sins and trespasses, but that now we're alive in Christ, and through the Holy Spirit, we're able to perceive and understand and receive the spiritual things. And what a wonderful blessing that is. This morning, what I want to do is kind of follow up with that. And also, I'm previewing and getting ready for us to start this three-month-long series on spiritual growth. And like I said, the first lesson, the first week in your growth groups is going to be about the Word of God, its importance. And today... I want to talk about that. Since this truth has been revealed to us, and we've been given the faith in order to be able to accept and believe that, 
Let's talk about this hidden treasure that the scriptures are. The hidden treasure. And I want to share with you an Old Testament story. I often don't preach from the Old Testament, but uh, for no other reason than there's so much good stuff in the New Testament that we hardly go to the Old Testament. Sometimes I'll just mention it. But today I'm going to preach from the Old Testament a story that's probably well known to most of you from 2 Kings chapter 22. It's the story of King Josiah. King Josiah. Something really interesting happened. Lots of interesting things happened. So we'll, we'll spend some time in that. I have a key verse that I want to share with you. Psalms 119.11. All of Psalms 119 really talks about the Word of God. But in verse 11 it says, and I believe this is the HCSB version, I have treasured your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. Psalms 119, verse 11. I have treasured your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. I mean, how many of you guys want to sin less? I don't have to raise your hand, but I know you're all raising your hand inside, right? Wouldn't you want to sin less? As Christians, we're never going to be sinless, and that's never an excuse to strive to sinning less. There should be some evidence of your spiritual growth. And some of that evidence, very important one, is that, is that as we mature in Christ, we sin less. We're just not attracted to the same things. There's a new heart. There are new desires. There's a change, a conversion. And so we should all want to sin less. And here, the psalmist says, I have treasured your word in my heart. Not so that I could have a happier, more pleasant life, necessarily, so that's also a very good thing. But he says, so that I may not sin against you. David's desire was to sin less towards God. So I love that. that that's, that's a key verse. The main point for my message this morning is this. Learning to treasure God's word is how we begin to live for God's glory. Learning to treasure God's word is how we begin to live for God's glory. And so, just right off the bat, let me ask you a question. How much do you treasure the Word of God? Is, are the scriptures a treasure? Have you ever had a treasure? Something that you really, really value? You know, maybe for most uh, people, like a, maybe like a, uh, like a wedding ring, very important, right? Most of you should be, you know? Especially if you have a big zirconia, I mean, big diamond you treasure that. You take care of it. If you do ever take it off, you're like, whew, you put it in a special place, make sure it doesn't go down the drain, things like that. We could all relate to, to having a treasure. If you have children, you know, they're your treasure. You don't just drop them off, leave them anywhere. You take care of them. You know where they're at all the time until you have the third one and fourth one and fifth one. It's like, where are they at? Okay. So what value do you place on the Bible, on the Holy Scriptures? May I submit to you, it deserves more. It deserves more. And hopefully we're all on this similar journey of learning to value the Word of God for what it is. And I believe none of us ever will be able to give it its proper value. But we should be working towards that. You should be able to, as you read the Word again and again, Get to enjoy it more and more and just experience a more personal, deeper relationship with God as you understand that this is God's love letter to you and you get to enjoy it. Another question that I would have for you is what things do you allow to get in the way of you spending time with God? What kinds of things do you allow 
to get in the way from you spending intimate, special time with God. And I think for most of you, if you're like me, instantly you can probably come up with a list of maybe 5, 10, 20 things that might take precedence over you spending time with the Word of God. And I don't mean to bum you out, but I hope that we're, we're convicted and we're challenged and that we leave here today feeling like, you know what, I do need to make some changes to get rid of some of the things that get in the way of me spending time with God. I do need to make some changes that I need to make special, intentional time to spend with the Lord through his word. And really, again, begin to or continue to value the scriptures. I dare say that to neglect or ignore the word of God is to turn your back on God. I mean, it's kind of weird, but if, if we believe that this is God's living word, and this is God speaking to us, then he never stops speaking to us. It's only a matter of whether we're listening or not. And I don't know about you, I'm talking maybe especially to parents, but anybody can relate to this. How do you feel when you're talking, and maybe you're serious, right, or, or you're pouring out your heart to someone, and then you realize they're not even paying attention. They got their headphones on, and they haven't a clue what you've been saying for the last three, four minutes. How do you feel when that happens? You just love it, don't you? And in a similar way, when we ignore or neglect God's word, God's speaking to us 24-7. And yet, when we neglect or ignore it, we're really turning our backs on God. And I'm saying all this to set up the story that we're going to read right here. Lastly, I will say, and this is not exclusively, of course, but many times, problems in our lives usually arise from either ignoring the scriptures or not being doers of the word. And, and when I counsel people, when I get together with people, if they're honest, many times they'll say, but you know what? I know, at least in part, I've just been, I've been far from God. Yeah, I go to church, and, and maybe you might even say, like, yeah, I check off the box and I read my, my devotional, my one-minute Bible, one-minute-a-day Bible, or whatever it is, or, or maybe you spend hours in the Word, but you realize that in your heart you're not a doer of the Word. It's not transforming you, and you realize that's where you're missing. And so many times we can trace back many of our issues. I know some problems are beyond our control, out of our, you know, our doing, but, but many times how we feel and how we react towards things very much is determined by how close we are to God through his word. So I'm tempted to read 2 Kings chapter 22, verses 1 through 20. It's in its entirety. It'll take three minutes to get us started. This is the story of Josiah. And even though it's the story of Josiah, it's really God's story speaking to us, right? There's a lot of um, important things, facts that happen here. These are actual people that lived some 2,600 years ago. Isn't that awesome? We get to do a little ancient history, read about someone who lived 2,600 years ago. I, I always, I'm blown away by that. And I think that's pretty special in itself. So... Let me tell you real quick a couple things about Josiah. I, want to, I don't want to take too much time. But Josiah, you're going to read here. Uh, some of the things that we're not going to read here is that Josiah, uh, oh, I can't wait. He became a king of Judah at the age of eight. What were you doing at eight? <laughs> I was running around the streets playing soccer and I don't know what. 
uh, acting like I was interested in school. I don't know. I, I don't remember. My kids didn't hear that, I hope. Um, at eight years old, he becomes a king. But one of the things that I want to share with you is who his dad. His dad was a king by the name of Amon. And his grandfather, Manasseh, two of the worst kings in the history of, of the Jewish people of Judah. Two of the worst kings. But you should also know that King Josiah is a descendant of King David, which is cool when we read uh, for communion, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ of descendant or the seed of David. Really cool. I can't take too much time on that. But let me read this. Let me read this. Something really interesting happens. So keep in mind the, the, the title of the, of the message is Hidden Treasure, and it's about valuing the scriptures. It says, Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jedida, the daughter of Adiah of Bazka. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in all the ways of his father David. Not literal father, but forefather. He did not turn aside to the right or to the left. Great. Now it came to pass in the 18th year of King Josiah. So how old was he? Don't think about it too much. Don't pull out your phones. He was 26. That the king sent Shaphan, the scribe, the son of Azaliah, the son of Meshulam, to the house of the Lord, saying, Go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, that he may count the money which has been brought into the house of the Lord, which the doorkeepers have gathered from the people, and let them deliver it to the hand of those doing the work, who are the overseers in the house of the Lord. Let them give it to those who are in the house of the Lord doing the work to repair the damages to the house. They're repairing the temple. Good stuff. To carpenters, builders, and masons, and to, the and to buy timber and hone stones to repair the house, However, there need, no be, there, there need be no accountability or accounting made with them for the money delivered into their hands because they deal faithfully. Very interesting point there. Or just fun fact. Then Hilkiah, the high priest, said to Shaphan, the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. We'll explain that. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan and read it. So Shaphan, the scribe, went to the king, bringing the king word, saying, Your servants have gathered the money that was found in the house and have delivered it to the hand of those who do the work and oversee the house of the Lord. Then Shaphan, the scribe, showed the king, saying, Hilkiah, the priest, has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. And now it happened when the king heard the words of the book of the law that he tore his clothes. Then the king commanded Hilkiah, the, the priest, uh, he come the son of Shaphan, Akbor, the son of Michiah. That's exactly how you pronounce it, by the way. Shaphan, the scribe, and Isaiah, a servant of the king, saying, Go inquire of the Lord for me, for the people and for all Judah, concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is aroused against us, because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book, to do according to all that is written concerning us. I'm going to stop right there, but I hope you got it. Josiah becomes king at eight years old after his dad is murdered, um, uh, two years after he reigned. So Amon only reigned two years. Uh, his grandfather reigned for like 51 years. And then at eight years old, he's made king of Judah. When he's 26 years old, and it says that he did a lot of great things, right? And when he's 26 years old, he, as they're fixing up the temple, which is a good thing, he cared about the things of God. 
they find the scriptures. You might be thinking, like, what do you mean they found the book, the scriptures? We literally are saying they found the Pentateuch, the first, most likely the first five books of Moses' writing of the law. The Torah. You're thinking, oh, what was it doing hiding? Well, Amen and Manasseh were horrible kings. They wanted nothing to do with God. And so Israel had lived without God's word for years. Like a couple of generations, God's word was nothing to them. And, and for a Josiah at 26, apparently he hears the reading of the word for the first time. Very interesting. Judah was going through a very difficult time, and judgment from God was coming through the Babylonians soon after that. So let me talk to you about the points that I want. I already mentioned some things that I want to share in my points. I want to try to keep it kind of organized here so that we don't get lost in all the history and the details and things like that. For some of you, you're familiar with this. For some of you, you're thinking like, what did he just say? So let's keep it simple. We're talking about Josiah. So Josiah's story shows us three things. And I want to share with you the first one, which is a new king. Now, that's nothing really new. If you read Kings, it's really an account or a history of all the kings of both Israel and Judah. Um, I'm, I'm in my mind, I'm trying to think how much I want to share with you. But let's, let's keep it. You would have good kings every once in a while, but mainly you would have bad kings. And again, when Josiah comes into the picture, it's after two really bad kings in Judah. But he does what's right. So let's talk a little bit about the new king, about Josiah, his history. So we talked about at eight, he becomes king of Judah. What a responsibility. And obviously, he had a cabinet and people that, that would advise him and such. Uh, no doubt his mom was involved in that. At 26... He's exposed, apparently, for the first time to God's word. And you should know that at 39, he dies at the hands of the king of Egypt in battle. But he does some really cool things in, in, uh, in between that. I told you that his forefathers, he's a descendant of David, but we're talking about from David to Josiah, some 400 years have elapsed. But he's a descendant of David, and he was well aware of who David was. Amen was terrible, his dad, his grandfather was worse. And the reason why I want to spend a little bit of time in that is that, and I'm sure this is going to speak to many of us, Josiah did not allow his dad's reputation or even his grandfather's reputation to define the kind of man that he was to become. And I think I get emotional with that because Men's ministry is dear to my heart. I, I realize the importance of, of men, leaders of the house, the providers and protectors as assigned, assigned by God. And I see our culture, what a deficit, and how many problems that causes, and how many issues even in our society right now are directly linked because of the absence of fathers in the homes. And even the ones that are present physically, often emotionally are checked out, and unfortunately, spiritually, it's even worse. 
But here we have an example of a young man who didn't allow, who didn't continue that cycle, but made up his own mind and committed himself in his heart, as it says here, Let me tell you what the word says. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. You know, when we come from a broken home or, or a trouble situation, how easy it is, how tempting it is to just blame. I say, well, what do you expect? Look at my dad. And look at his dad. And look at all my relatives. I'll just be like one of them. And then the beautiful thing is that in Christ, we have this, this newness, this empowerment by the Holy Spirit, so that we don't have to be like anybody else, but like Christ, through the guidance and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so maybe that's a word for you, not just to men, for, for everybody. You know, how do we define our identity? Who do we choose to be, regardless of who is around us, where we came from, what we've done in our past? There's newness in Christ. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. And he walked in all the ways of his father, David. Boy, he just skipped like 400 years of forefathers. He went straight to David and said, that is the person that I want to be like. And what I submit to you, you know, the growth groups are important because you have growth group leaders. Those are your mentors. Those are your guides. Those are people that are committed to helping you in your walk. You need to find people that, that you can look up to, that you, that you can use as a stepping stone as you continue to be and desire to be like Christ. The goal here for Crosspoint congregants is not to be like the elders, is not to be like the deacons, is not to be like the pastor. Our goal for each and every one of you is to be perfectly complete in Christ-likeness. And, and by all means, if you see anything positive in me, use me as a stepping stone. Let me help you push you forward. There is no ceiling here. Follow him and be like him. But I love that fact about, about Josiah. He feared the Lord. Later on, we're going to see when he reads, he's convicted of his sin. There's repentance. There's a desire to protect his people. He just had a beautiful, beautiful heart. And I think every Christian needs to have that type of heart. So I don't want to spend too much time on the new king, but Josiah's story shows us not just a new king, but an accidental find. How interesting. What he did was he was interested in rebuilding the temple, the house of the Lord, it was broken down, it was all messed up, and he starts investing money of the kingdom to repair it. And as they're doing this good thing, the high priest finds the scriptures, shows it to the scribe, the scribe takes it to the king and reads it to him. That's right. So the temple was being repaired under Josiah. And that, that kind of tells me, you know, sometimes we don't know what to do. And, and often when I counsel people, that, that comes up. Mike, man, I, I'm like so confused. I don't even know what to do. Well, do the next right thing. Sometimes we try to fix all of our problems at once. And yeah, of course, it's overwhelming. You start thinking about your finances, your relationships, your marriage, your children, your work. 
your whatever, and it's like stressful, and then we're like, do the next right thing. And I submit to you the next right thing, make sure God is the, the first thing. And then keep making good decisions after that. And find people that will help you. One of the things that I really appreciate about all of you is this community that we have, and so many great people. When I talk to somebody new, I often find myself saying, like, you know, you need to meet this person. You need to meet that person. Man, when you go to church, I want to introduce you to this person. I want you to connect with this person because you guys are going through something very similar. And I would hate for us to buy into the, the, the enemy's tactics to say, yeah, you go to church, but nobody understands you. And nobody's gone through what you're going through. And certainly nobody's ever done the bad things that you've done. Beloved, we're all the same. All in need of Christ, all in need of grace, and all in need of each other. So let me do a little plug-in right here. This awesome couple right here, Monique and Lance, leading our prayer teams. Talk to them. They're going to be satin if nobody comes up for prayer. So make sure you go up to them, introduce yourself, get to know them. They're here to pray with you, for you, and get to know you and help you. And there's, like them, many couples here at church, and I'm grateful for that. But the temple was being repaired under Josiah, and in repairing the temple, something kind of somewhat mundane doing construction work, God blesses them by allowing them to find the scriptures, which eventually will turn around a whole nation, at least for, for a time. Think about it. The nation of Israel was living without any guidance, without God's truth, without real knowledge of God. Everyone was doing whatever they pleased, and there were some crazy things happening. Crazy. Let me ask you a question. How would your life be different if you had no knowledge of the word of, of God? How would your life be different if you didn't have any knowledge of the word of God? And maybe some of us remember living our life without any knowledge of God. How different is it now? I hope it's very different. I hope it's super different and you're able to glorify God and thank him for where he's taken you out of and he's placed you now. Let me share with you something really interesting that happened here. I was going to share with you a story about an accidental find, but you guys don't like stories. Uh, fine, I'll tell you a quick story. Oh, a minute. I'm going to try to tell you in a minute. So my wife and I are talking, and we're thinking, uh, you know what? She might be going back, going back to work. She's a school teacher. They're going to be open. We have two vehicles. Now my oldest daughter is now driving, so... Uh, thankfully, I live really close to church, so my wife tells me, says, like, you know, you're gonna, we're going to need a third car. Some of you guys know this story. I've probably told it to you three times, but uh, it's a fun story. So I go, okay, we're going to need a third. Uh, and I go, you know what? Nobody likes car Some of you guys do. Nobody likes car payments, right? And I go, I'm just going to get myself, like, a $1,500 car. I don't even know what a $1,500 can buy in a car, right? And I just kind of set that. Next Saturday, pick up my son from practice, driving home. I see a yard sale. I take him home first. I drop him off, and then I go back to the yard sale. That way I could take my time, see what I find. So I'm going through the stuff. I'm like, oh, that looks cool. How much for that? Three bucks. And then the guy goes, you know, I also have a car for sale. I'm like, what? So the yard sale. I go, okay, that's cool. He goes, $1,500. I'm like, what? How much? That sounds familiar. Fifteen. Lord, is that you? Uh, yeah, it's right here. He takes me kind of to the back driveway, and he shows me the car, and, and it looks pretty good. It says, uh, yeah, it's a... 1999 Oldsmobile. I'm like, Oldsmobile? That sounds like a very pastoral car. Okay, <laughs> tell me more. 
belongs to an older lady, didn't drive for three years. He goes, it's 1999 and it only has 50,000 miles. I'm like, oh, I'll take it. <laughs> uh, so anyways, when you see me driving in my old mobile, you'll see. But how interesting that I just, uh, so now that's the car that I bought at a yard sale. Is that your yard sale car? Yeah, that's my, that's my yard sale car. I bought my car at a yard sale. But it was an interesting find that I wasn't even looking for. And um, I just thought that was a fun, interesting story. Not much to do with the fact, well, you know, they, they found the scriptures, which is more significant, of course. And I'm sure we all have stories about accidental finds. But I, I just wanted to share that with you. But think about Josiah. Man, his heart is just to repair the house of the Lord. And then behold, look at what we found, God's word. And, and his reaction is awesome. Um, I wanted to read to you Deuteronomy chapter 6, 1 through 9, but I told you my story, and now let me tell you, let me tell you, yeah, let's, let's do Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. Keep in mind everything that I've told you, historically what's happened to Judah, how they've gone away from God, they've forgotten, they're already in the promised land, but they've forgotten about God. So Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 9 says, now this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you have crossed over to possess. That you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, you and your son and your grandson, all the days of your life, and that your days may be, that your days may be prolonged. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly in the Lord God of your father, as your father God has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, with all your strength. And these words which I command to you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And you know, Josiah most heard this probably for the first time, and he thinks, what? We've done the exact opposite. And then you see the reaction. Josiah's reaction is beautiful. And I would, I would ask you, like, how do you react when you read the word? And, and may I give you some suggestions? Don't go for those devotionals that, that are just going to make you feel really good. All right? The 30-second the devotional with... Only verses that speak of God's goodness for you and greatness for you. Like, get a little bit of everything. His reaction is he listened, first of all. He could have said, hey, I don't have time for the word of God. I don't care what it is. But he listened. And then he tears his clothes in humility and, and just unbelief. He wanted to know more. He, he sends him to inquire from the Lord. He admits guilt. He doesn't start blaming. And then he's resolved to rectify the issues. He starts, you read that section in the next chapter, he starts tearing things down, breaking things down, burning stuff that are idolatrous in their nation. It's, it's a beautiful thing how he reacts. My third point is the blessing. We saw the king. We saw the find of the hidden treasure. And then because of his obedience and his reaction to God's word, we see God's heart towards him. And let me just read that to you because we didn't read that at the beginning. God says to Josiah, because your heart was tender 
And you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard that I spoke against this place and against the inhabitants, that they would become a desolation and a curse. And you tore your clothes and wept before me. I also have heard you, says the Lord. Surely, therefore, I will gather you to your fathers, and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace. And your eyes shall not see all the calamity which I will bring on this place. So they brought back word to the king. So, because of Josiah's heart and his reaction towards the word, God still brings punishment against the nation of Judah through the Babylonians. But he says, as for you, Josiah, I'm going to give you 13 more years of peace. I'm going to let you live out your life in peace. And after you die, calamity will come on your people. But I appreciate what you did. Much like his father, forefather David. I'm going to end it right there, but read Psalms 1, 1 through 3. It talks about the same thing. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that gives forth fruit, its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and everything he does shall prosper. That's speaking of the person that turns away from sin and meditates and values and treasures God's word. I want that for myself, for my family, and for all of us. So as we dismiss with prayer, keep in mind we have our, our prayer couple here. Take the time, uh, get to know some people, and um, let's learn to treasure God's word. Heavenly Father, thank you for your blessings. Thank you for allowing us a special time together. And I thank you once again for everyone who's here. We thank you for your word. Help us to, we, we pray for forgiveness first of all. We realize we don't value and treasure your word as we should. But we ask for help. We pray for guidance, we pray for strength, for resolve, for humility, and for hunger to seek after you in obedience. We want to honor and glorify your holy name through everything that we do. So I ask that you would dismiss us with your blessing. I pray in the wonderful and mighty name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. God bless you, beloved.